G'day Footyology listeners, Roko here. Enjoy our podcast? Well, you can become an official Footyology podcast supporter simply by using the supporter feature through ACAST. There's no subscription or regular commitment, just the sheer satisfaction that comes with knowing you've kept the debt collectors from our door. No, just kidding. It does help though. If you want to get started, you just need to follow the support this show link in the show description. Thanks again. And now let's get on with it. Welcome to the Footyology Podcast with Rowan Connolly and Mark Fine. G'day everyone, welcome to Footyology Review Edition, the Round 4 Review and uh, what a great season we're having. Uh, some really close finishes this week, some really impressive performances, more surprises, they're just becoming standard. As I say, a very good evening to my co-host Mark Fine. Good evening Rowan, it was a weekend with everything. But I'll tell you what, if you want the burger with everything, it's only one one destination, 144 Bridport Street, Albert Park, for the world-famous... Andrews. Andrews Burgers, 80 years, celebrating their birthday this year, and not just Melbourne's best burger, I saw an article where they were voted Australia's best burger. Oh, well done, everyone at Andrews. And we've, we've had quite a lot of people telling us that their new Sunday evening ritual is to go to Andrews, get a hamburger, and then listen to Footyology as soon as we go up online. And buy a house from... No, I'm not going to be silly about it. Nick's Bartels and Hardwick Build Co. It might only be once in your life you consider a new premises or an extension, a renovation, but if you live around the South Melbourne Albert Park area, why not get the best Nick's Bartels... And he's built for winning captains. Heppel, Pendlebury, Sheehan. Mike was a very good footballer, you know. With Werribee. I, I remember, he used to be a star in the Lightning Premiership in the old VFA finals. In the early 70s? Early to mid. Mm, early to mid. Okay, sorry. Didn't want to make you sound older than you are, Mike. All right, we've got a lot You made to... me sound older. Well, we're as old as each other. I wish football tipping was as easy as as predicting your wardrobe. Look at you and your... I actually really like that T-shirt, and then I realised it was a Rage Against the Machine T-shirt. What, and you don't like no, it No, I do, but I, I thought, way too cool for you. Now I understand why you're wearing it. For anyone interested, it is the cover of the Battle of Los Angeles album, which was their last studio album, and an absolute ball terror, if you haven't heard it. I recommend it highly. Okay, let's not mess around anymore. Let's get straight into it. On Fullyology... Wrap around. All right, nine games started on Thursday evening. Seems a long time ago now, and it was a long time ago now, and it started with Melbourne breaking the ice for season 2019. 15-10, 122-point victors over Sydney, looking increasingly shaky on 11-12-78. It was uh, the Swans' fifth loss on the SCG from their last six outings there, and they have now won only five of the last 14 games they have played there. Finey, what did you make of it? I think uh, the writing is on the wall, but so brilliant have Sydney been for so long, such sustained consistency with two premierships and finals appearances dating all the way back to the turn of the century, that you almost are shocked to hear that they've only won five of their last 14. We are slow to accept their demise, but demise it is because they have a midfield that is not being repl- replenished. Unfortunately for them, their back line, look, Lear Lear, I think is a very good play, but he still is learning the caper. Around him, there's nervousness and... 
if you think you can go into a season with one forward, you can't. And, and don't you find Buddy's becoming a bit selfish? Well, like he gets a ball and he's got no respect for his teammates. No, but I, I think I can understand why because they're, they're just so one-dimensional up forward. He must feel like, you know, if I don't do it, who else is going to do it? And he's pretty much right. Oh, you can't think like that playing footy. Yeah, I like the final winning margin because 22 points was what Sydney led by at one stage in the second quarter. So the fact that Melbourne won by 22 points... On that ground, it's a really good effort for a team down on confidence. You saw them during the night gain some belief. A couple of the mm-hmm. players that were down, you just saw, I think you saw them turn the corner. Well, they started getting some bang for their buck in terms of forward entries. I mean, that's been the big issue for them, hasn't it? And uh, I, I think to that end, um, Braden Proust proved a, a reasonably Okay, what do you think? What do you think, what do you think about Braden Proust? Look, it worked well at the SCG because you got that big bloke up forward and mm. he's an omnipresent menace. He can almost, you know, two steps and he's covered the entire inside forward, whatever it is. It's not 50. I just, looking at him play, I just wonder whether or not at the MCG, we'll find out next week if yeah, they play St Kilda, whether they're not going to, you know, really work off him. Mm. No, they're not quick. And I think Essendon the week before certainly exposed them for lack of leg speed. And I think it's a good point you make. But, you know, some of their leaders really stood up too. Great game from Nathan Jones, I thought. Um, Oliver, terrific. Max Gorn, you just sort of expect to be terrific now. Uh, Christian Salem played a really good game for him. Jaden Hunt's an interesting transform. You, you just wouldn't imagine that the sort of dashing running back of two years ago would miss almost not play last year, played the year in the VFL and come back as a as a pressure forward who's kicking goals. Interesting move. Yeah, I I've got to admit I, I prefer him as the dashing half bank. Bank bank. Yeah, but I, football's changed. You're not allowed to dash when you get the ball in the back line. It's I've got to chip it around. Yeah. It, you know, it's it's no risk football as advocated by all coaches. Well, let's talk about the Swans, uh, because we've, we've done this for an, over a number of years when they look dodgy. You know, we say, OK, is this actually the end for them? I must admit I'm closer to sort of pronouncing that now than I have been for a long time. I thought a couple of years ago I felt like the young guys I were introducing to the side were, you know, sort of fitting in seamlessly. It doesn't feel like that now. It feels like a real generational divide almost between those young guys they're trying to blood desperately quickly and the old blokes holding the fort. And there are a few players that were in that team as 20 to 24th player, you know, in and out of the side four years ago, like a Hewitt, maybe a Cunningham, that are still no more... Advanced. Yeah, no more um, important or... uh, Look, I know Hewitt plays a certain lockdown role on players, but you just, I don't think he's developed his football mm. to go from that, what he was four years ago, into the leadership group, which you need when you are turning over players. Well, maybe they've got another one like that with Ben Ronke. I mean, for all the, you know, sort of um, uh, celebration about that seven goal yeah, you, swag look, against little, Hawthorne last little year. Little forwards are, they're going to be loved, they're going to be hated, they're going to be, they are, they are basically a Sort of, um, you know, boiled lollies or chocolate commodity, aren't they? Here's a very quick one. What's happened to Josh Kennedy? Oh, you see, his numbers. First of all, I'm going to point something out in a game coming up. 
why stats are irrelevant. And to everybody, to anybody with common sense, numbers don't mean anything if you've watched the game. And it was it made a shambles of the derby. But Kennedy's numbers sometimes, to me, don't match his impact on the game. I now believe his numbers, I don't care how often he gets the ball, he, 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 I can't picture him stepping clear or breaking through or doing what he used to do, which is mark and goal. He really, I think he now knows how to negotiate a game, but I don't think he knows how to impact on it. No, no. He's, he's like, not, pa- like Parker's mm, lifted. He's not, he's not having the impact he used to. Well, he's, a, he's an older bloke. Mm. I, I tell you who's, for them, a bit of a disappointment for me. I thought Reed started the year really well. Mm. Yes, you know, he misses a goal, he gets a goal, nah. he misses for 15 minutes. This was, they, they should not have one forward. He should be he should be flourishing with all that focus on Buddy, shouldn't he? Yeah, absolutely. No, he, he's, he should be a critical part of the equation and he's just, he's not. So um, they're... Happier injured, he is. They're in, they're in trouble. Okay, that's enough on that game. Friday night. Okay, Friday night footy at the G, and uh, boy, was the first half of this enough to put anyone to sleep. It was a shocker. Well, how, I want to talk about that. Well, how? let me read the scores first. Sure. Collingwood, in the end, 14-point victors over the Western Bulldogs, 11-12-78, defeating the Doggies, 9-10-64. All right, this was a perfect example of this new risk be damned when we've got the ball in the back line. We... Maintain possession because turnovers will kill you. Now, first of all, why did Collingwood do it? Collingwood are a better team than the Bulldogs. They were last year's runners-up. Why enter into a game style that at best can only have you 10 or 12 points up at halftime anyhow? Worried what? about Bulldogs' pressure causing turnovers? But, you know, let the ball bounce free. Surely Collingwood back themselves to have the better personnel with that midfield to take advantage of the Would loose ball. So. That's part one. Part two, how did the team that won the 2016 Grand Final with such dash and, and you know, their famous 100% 360-degree pressure, mm. that's the Bulldogs, mm. take on Collingwood, who last year threw the shackles of kicking the ball around the boundary off and actually started playing some really attractive football. How did, why did we have this game? Why, why have we denigrated back to this? Uh, well, I, I, I think... Perfect conditions. Perfect. Yeah, no, I, I think coaches often tend to over-caution. I think there's, <laughs> I think there's a real... Wait till I read. Well, there's a, a mounting toll of evidence that uh, I think the game is over-coached, and I think you can probably throw Essendon into that category, and I'll, I'll bring that up when no, we talk I, about I, I their believe game. So. I, yeah. I, I think all teams should be coached by Scott Waters. Well... <laughs> Here's an interesting one. Um, I wonder if Collingwood's got a bit of an issue looming with Brodie Grundy in that he's absolutely dominant in the ruck week after week, and yet they don't necessarily get the advantage of that. Now, the final hit-out tally for this game was 61-6. It was insane, really, but it wasn't reflected on the scoreboard. Uh, I thought in the last quarter he owned it. No, but this was the change. So at three-quarter time, the hit-outs were 48-4 or something, the centre bounce clearances at three-quarter time were five to the Pies and six to the Bulldogs. In the last quarter, the centre bounce clearance uh, clearances went five to the um, to the Pies 
and one to the Bulldogs. So something changed about their capacity to make use of Grundy's hitouts. But the week before against West Coast, the same thing happened. He dominated the hitouts. West Coast got the better of the clearances from him. Mason Cox was brilliant in that last quarter. In the end, the big men did have a tell. Yeah, so they won the ball, just banged it long. Cox contested, not marked and kicked a goal or bought the ball to ground and they got a couple of goals from that. Correct. Why weren't they doing that the first three quarters? Why not not when you're the better team? You are you are made for you are you should not be getting Collingwood should not have got into a you know, a, a sort of a brawl, a barroom brawl with the Bulldogs. All respect to the doggies. They they are Personnel down here, here and there on the ground. Lauren, what's Shacky's first name? Josh. Yeah, his father was Lawrence. Lawrence. He played like Sharky. Remember him from Collingwood? Paul Sharky. Yeah, not a great player. Yeah. Oh, sorry, Paul. But Shacky was terrible. Yeah, yeah, no, zero impact on the game. Horrible. So the Pies got it together when it counted. Five goals to two in the last quarter. But um, how are they going? Like... Uh, they're, not, they're just going, really. Their forward line doesn't always work, does it? No. Yeah, there are some quarters where Mason Cox doesn't make enough contests and it just not doesn't work well. And I'm a bit disappointed in not the player, but maybe how he's being used. I, I thought Stevenson was brilliant last year, and I'm sure he will be again. He's super quick. Now, West Coast have got a super quick player, Patrick Shelley. They use him really well. Stevenson is just a link in the chain. You don't see him enough. Mm-hmm. He's a he's a, a line breaker, isn't he? Why isn't he breaking lines? Too conservative. All right. Well, that was it. The Pies emerging victors on Friday evening. Let's move on. GMHPA Stadium, otherwise known as Cadenia Park, Saturday afternoon. Geelong taking on GWS, and a milestone game for uh, the Giants. They were terrific and ended up winning and thus becoming. One of the very few sides to beat Geelong at the Cattery, apart from Sydney. 11-13-79, four-point victors over the Cats, 11-9-75, in a thriller and a win full of merit. Yeah, I love that win. Absolutely loved it. I did tip it. That's gr- oh, very don't worry, good I don't want to got some other ones wrong. Very you good got. Tip. It's funny, this round, the ones that I got right, I thought, gee, I did well to get them. And the ones I got wrong that you got right, I thought, gee, that's a really good pick, Rowan. Your pick of Richmond was excellent. I didn't tip him. Yes, you did. No, I didn't. I wrote him down that you tipped him. Jeez, I hope I did. <laughs> anyway, I, go on. I, thought you, I wrote it down that you tipped him. All right. Well, that'll do. Talk about the Giants. They, first of all, were palpably distressed by the loss of their captain. Callan Ward. Yeah. And he was palpably distressed, and yeah. fair enough. Yeah, look, I did a good interview with Brad Johnson after the game. Very, very noble of him. Sad, 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 sad. But adversity makes football teams, and it's the lack of, you know, this this plain sailing and, and probably almost, I, I just viewed them until this year as like a, a, a team of jocks from an American college in some one of those houses, you know, that are full of bottom spanking and don't let minorities in. Yeah. That they were just better than everybody, but in fact, the whole world knew that they were worse than everybody. It's like Revenge of the Nerds, so were the bad guys. Yeah. Is that what you're getting Oh, at? more, more um, Animal House. Oh, yeah. I don't think I've seen Animal House. But um, 
now they're just like every other house or like every other team. They've well, got their battlers, they've got their battles, yeah. and it's turning them into men of character. Well, it's turning them into a more complete team because they've got role players. I think in retrospect, and it sort of sounds silly because they were a goal away from a grand final appearance in 2016, but as much as they had sort of wall-to-wall stars, perhaps they really lacked those role players. And, and now you look at guys like, Sam Reid and, and Daniel Lloyd and, of course, Matt DeBoer, who's done two great tagging jobs now. And, and it, been struck. And, and been struck. And it makes them a more complete team. I'll tell you what else has really helped them. Um, Finlayson becoming a key forward. That's now, right. He and Cameron. I, I remember thinking at the start of the year, Cameron and him will work. Gee, that's not enough to kick your winning score. But Cameron in the sort of form he's in, which is terrific, and Finlayson and Himmelberg is enough to kick you when he scores. Right. And I, I love Himmelberg. That, that mark. That mark, yeah. yeah. Or echoes of Jonathan Brown in, I think, 2001 or 2002 against Hawthorne. Um, yeah, incredibly nice. gutsy. They were also efficient when they needed to be. Now, the third quarter, they only had 11 inside 50s and kicked 6-4 from it. So they scored from all but one of their um, inside 50 entries. That was an efficiency Geelong didn't have. De Boer limited Tim Kelly to nine touches. That was pretty critical. And and don't forget, too, they, Geelong were still 22 points up quite deep into the third quarter. So it was a, it, wins don't come a lot gutsier than that. And they seem to have had a few of these where we go, that is a defining moment in GWS's history. But, well, at the risk of saying it again, perhaps that is the defining moment in their history. And, look, I didn't even tip them in the eight, so I'm feeling increasingly nervous about that one. Very frustrating for Geelong and their support, but for the coach especially, that their team could only kick one goal in the last quarter. With you know, with opportunities and with the crowd, you just think that almost a crowd would have got them over the line. Mm. So they let themselves down a bit, Geelong. Happens, All right, happens. That's enough on that game. Okay, MCG Saturday afternoon, two ten. Jeez, I love that time slot. And I watched it as a spectator, finally. I went and sat in my reserve seat, which I don't often get to do, and I had a fantastic afternoon. And, yes, it helped that my team actually played some really good football. In fact, football's so good, I reckon Essendon's first half is as good a half as I've seen the Bombers play for close to 15 years, particularly that first quarter. Seven goals to two, set up the win, and uh, in the end, 47-point victors, 17-10-112, defeating Brisbane, 9-11-65. Now, that first quarter, or first half, everything they got right. Uh, the attack on the ball was, was red hot. They pressured Brisbane into mistakes. And I think if you had a look at the side they picked, it was a side that was hoping that that's how the game would play out, and it did. The forward line was efficient and ticked over beautifully. We have to, and I will, talk about Anthony McDonald, Tip and Wooty, but I want to use perhaps this game review to give a huge pat on the back to a guy who is far from a fan favourite with Bombers, but Mitch Brown was absolutely sensational, I reckon. Ended up with 25 disposals, 11 marks, kicked three goals, and there aren't too many key forwards in the game that cover the amount of territory he does. He just pushes up and back, up and back as that hit-up player for guys coming out of the defensive 50. Did the job absolutely superbly. And any Essendon supporter who wondered why he gets the spot in the 22, there's your answer. Uh, Zach Merritt, terrific. Best game he's played this year. Heppel, 
did what he'd done against Melbourne, threw himself at the foot of every pack. David Zarakis had another really good game. That's two in a row for him. Uh, it just all clicked. And when it does click for the Bombers, they play an intoxicating brand of footy that is very hard to match. Oh, just on Mix Brown, sort of a injury-interrupted, confidence-battered career at Geelong. Yep. Looked like he was heading out of football, of course, and got a lifeline... Was it through the Asada affair? No, they got him independently okay. of that. All right. But around that time, he's from oh, what, the school that he played for. I, I umpired them once. It's next to St. Bede's. It's a school across the road from St. Bede's down there at Keysborough. A private school, but he goes down there every, every time he... You'd be amazed how often he's down there during an AFL season. Much loved. Looks like he fell off a 1975 football card. Sort of... Unkempt? No, just with that moustache. and You know, mm. he, he reminds me a bit of... There's a touch of Peter Daniel and Bernie Jones oh, in yeah. him. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He's unfashionable, but he's he's a beautiful kick. Why did they drop him last week? Um, I thought he played well against St Kilda. Yeah, no, it's a, a fair question. Um, Balance? Yeah, probably. Um, Was Aaron Francis unlucky this week? Uh, possibly, okay. possibly. But uh, you know, as as it panned out, a Hooker and Hurley incidentally are a great tandem, and Hurley always looks better and safer and more confident with Hooker riding shotgun with him. Can Quick. I ask you something about Hooker? Yep. Uh, about Hurley, sorry. Yep. Look, he's a very good. We know he's a great footballer in terms of the contest and etc. Am I alone in thinking this? He doesn't kick properly for an AFL footballer. There's, there's this separation. When he lets the ball go, there's too much air. Like, it's not, he's he's not, no one's coaching him how to kick the you ball. You from pro- ball drop yeah. to foot. The ball needs to drop to the foot. It it he it sort of goes up a fraction and then drops. It's it's sort of backyard. It, it It's taught out of most kids, but it, he sort of throws it up a little bit when he's under pressure. It's odd for a champion player, which he would be if not for that. Just on Brisbane. Yeah. Everybody thought that they were due a loss, mm-hmm. and a lot of their players lived up to it. Unfortunately, it, it obviously Essendon were great in the first quarter, but they'd come back three times, and I almost got a feeling that they thought, you know, luck's not going to strike four times. Or we, we, there's not, there wasn't the will to put in the effort to bridge, bridge the gap. Yeah, yeah, they they gave it a, a bit of a crack, you know, and had they got. One or two more goals early in the last quarter. They might have still been half a chance. One interesting thing was that Essendon decided not to tag Lockie Neal, despite how many touches he's been getting. And Zach Merritt sort of went head-to-head to him, uh, head-to-head with him, but they tend to play fairly wide of each other. Neal picked up 40 touches regardless, but he didn't have nearly the sort of impact that he had in the previous three games. I want to salute your small defenders, by the way. Now, we know that, you know, the... Hooker and Hurley combinations are very good, and Hipwood got a cold. But I think Brisbane are more dangerous when the ball hits the ground. And full credit to Essendon's, you know, less heralded players. Well, there's a couple of young ones emerging. Jordan Ridley is is all class. And the boy band. He's all right. The boy who? The kid from the boy band. Guelphie. He didn't play. He got dropped. But he's okay. (laughs) He's all right. Yeah, well, he's got a bit more time to put out his next record But No, I'm saying but he's okay. You've got young kids. Yep. Who else? Well, Mason, Mason Red- Redmond. Well, he came back and I well, thought he looked in, really good first up. He's highly rated, but he's he's been injured, hasn't yep, he? Yeah, yeah. 
Um, no, he was good. And you know, if, look, the one player that was supposed to come back this year that really I think makes your back line, um, you know, the, the chap that missed last year and he's injured again. The defender. Oh, Marty Gleeson. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, he's... he's To cover him, it's been a fairly good effort. Well, starting to do that, and I think Ridley and Redmond are the guys that do that. All right, that's enough on the Bombers and the Lions. Let's move on. All right, Saturday Twilight, the game that can often get lost in the wash, but not this one, because it was a special win for the Tigers. 15-9-99, seven-point victors over Port Adelaide in Adelaide. 14-8-92. Now... Just before you kick off, Finey, no Rance, no Cochin, no Martin, no Rewalt, no Hooley, no Short. Those six, no Grig. And, oh, I forgot about Grig, damn. Well, those six players combined have a total of 1,123 AFL Games experience. Playing in their place were five players, Jack Ross, Sydney Stack, Noah Bolter, Liam Baker, and Shy Bolton. You who, made up three or four of those names. <laughs> They're not real names. And Sydney Stack's a, a character from a uh, American crime novel. Um, those five players between them had played fifteen games. Now, looking at the lineups, where it was, the fact that Port has been in pretty good nick. This was a sensational win. Tom Lynch, six goals. There is the evidence of how much value he can be to the Tigers. I. Ten minutes into this game, I wanted to change my selection. Richmond were tuned in. I'm not saying that this 22 could do it every week, but this was reminiscent of the unbeatable Richmond during the 2017 final series that applied pressure to every man before the play had gone 15 minutes Port Adelaide was succumbing to implied pressure. Hmm. So they might have come into this game thinking we've got a bit of a leg up with all the outs for Richmond. But within 15 minutes, their players were nervous every time they got the ball because the heat was applied. Brilliant work by Richmond. Brilliant work by those experienced players in the team that had to not guide the younger players, but lead by example. So... You may Lynch was great. He kicked five goals. Six. The sixth goal was given to him after he kicked one of the goals. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah. It's always interesting when you yeah. get a double. Very rarely do you get a double yoker, as we call them. Well, that was one of me 2009 grand final. I'm saying double yokers. Yeah. You know, they're rare, but they're great. And it came at just the right time. I think I put them in front. They, Caddy came back and kicked the first two goals, I think. You know, So he was somebody to look out for. I don't know what Shane Edwards' numbers were, but the captain was brave throughout the afternoon. But to me, the hero, and I'd like to say it was Sidney Steck or Jack Ross, but it was Dylan Grimes. Mm. Now, he turned Great the ball over quarter. once in the last quarter that you know, no, cost him a goal. was fantastic. Oh, it was. For people who want to know what football used to be like, watch Dylan Grimes playing the last quarter. It was heroic. Like Remember the old superstar defenders just holding them out? Kicks were going in, but... Just mark. It was great to watch Dylan Grimes mm. take it upon himself to turn back the tide. And, uh, well, next week they get Martin back, obviously, from suspension. Hooley will be back next week. Uh, anyone else? Uh, Rewalt? No, I think still yeah. probably to miss. But I, I would have loved to have been in the press conference afterwards because I would have said to Damien Hardwick, the, your most difficult thing this weekend was not winning this game. It'll be working out. 
which six or seven players from this team aren't in your best yep. team. Yeah, it's a nice problem to have, though. Oh, yeah, oh, you can't drop that Sydney stack. Mm. Not with a name like that. He plays... Is that the last position? If, if I showed you Sydney stack and how he moved and what size he was, did you expect him to be like an intercept defender? Oh, these days anything's possible. Anything. Well, you know, stack... Stack it. And Port Adelaide, look, they'd be a bit disappointed, but they shouldn't be. You know, they were playing against a team that had grand final vibe. Even though they didn't have their stars, they still are a great team, Richmond. I'd argue a little bit differently on that in oh, that, you know, they, they hit the front against Brisbane and lost. This was at home, playing a depleted side. And, and, and I, I All those facts are true, but in the game, in watching the game, they were better than that. Yeah, I, I know where you're coming from, but I think the difference, the thing holding them back from being a contender to an elite side is just that, getting over the line in those games. And, you know, like the final against West Coast, those sort of games. You know, all right, Grimes was brilliant, but they had a guy, some heroics as well in the last quarter, William Drew. Now, he's only playing... Willem who? Willem Drew. He's only playing his fourth game. That was an an incredible mark too, running with the floor. Yeah, so I'm saying there are, for me, there are positives. You know what one negative was? Sorry, I just want to do that again. Willem who? Willem Drew. We Willem. Yeah, what was it? No one knows what we're there talking about. There was one thing that was right. disappointing for them. What? Why was Scott Lysette, Losing. Why did Scott Lysette look like he'd run four marathons? He was exhausted in that last quarter. He's one of the few ruckmen that actually have another ruckman to help him. Yeah, yeah, no fair point. He was. <gasps> he couldn't have blown a candle out, mate. All right, uh, great win by the Tigers, yeah. and uh, I think they're sort of uh, back on track. Saturday evening, Marvel Stadium and North Melbourne broke the ice for 2019 with a 12-point win over a very disappointing Adelaide. Nine goals, 17, 71 the Roos, defeating the Crows, 8-11, 59, four goals to Ben Brown. Uh, A bit of conjecture about how good a game he played. Um, Well, that's tough. Oh, no, well, not You've from... You've got a couple of frees. Not from me, yeah. But well, Talia, was, Talia was off his tucker. Yeah, he yeah. kept arguing, and then every time the umpire was correct. Yeah, no, I thought Talia had a shocker of an evening. Um, speaking about shockers, geez, it was a pretty appalling game, to be perfectly honest, for much of it. Um, you had North sort of dominating possession, but unable to put it on the board. Adelaide sort of making the most of their early opportunities, which made you think, oh, they'll click into gear and run away with it, but they didn't. And, uh, boy, they're really – yeah, we'll get to this because I'm going to talk about them a bit later. But, um, yeah, a bit worried about the Crows. But uh, I think North – you know, you couldn't deny North deserved the result in the end given the weight of opportunities. They were 3-10 at half time. Uh, Sean Higgins, just a class above everyone for them. I uh, thought Robbie Tarrant was pretty good in defence. Jared Pollock was good. Jed Anderson came back on that side and made a difference. Mm. And Pittard. Not bad as well. So just starting... Pittard's hair is abysmal. Yeah, it is. Yeah, and he's got sort of weird tats too, like half the players in the AFL. But, um, you know, some first sort of signs of something this season for North. Something. Something. Goldstein was good at the end of the game. Yeah. Did some good things right at the death knock. Played okay. Um, Probably the most revolting product in the world, even from a young age... I hated this. You're going to go off on a tangent here. Yeah, a bit you? of a tangent. Okay. Is a six, Make it a quick it, tangent. Okay. Was it, 
when you take a flight, I don't even know if they've got them anymore. How revolting was the fact that in the seat, in the pocket, there was a sick bag? It just made me... What what did that tell you? I'm going to be sick on the flight or people are sick on this well, flight? people get air sick. I've never seen anybody actually use it, but just... Oh, I have. You know, we have facility here for you to vomit into. Yeah. It's a revolting concept. What's better than your hands? I'll tell you, I've... I've always thought it's it's just unnecessary and off-putting. But okay. I think at the moment, any Adelaide game, you should get a sick bag when you go in there. They were, I tell you, when they're bad, they stink. Why were they, with, there's two and a half minutes to go and they're 12 points down or 13 points down, they were tripping the ball around more than north. What were they doing? Well... I was down the boundary for that game. The thing that really struck me about them is how they just looked out on their feet all night. There's no energy or zip about them. I actually thought Taylor Walker was one of their more energetic players. I mm. thought he put himself out. You know what I would have done to Josh Jenkins at three-quarter time? He was going up and down the one spot. I, he was completely dopey. Like mm. I would have gone up to him at three-quarter time and said, Josh, come here, come here, come here, bend over. And I would have stuck smelling salts in his face or given him an electric shock or Why something. Why do you have to bend over to stick smelling salts Because he's face? six foot six and I'm five foot eleven. Okay. Oh, he was... Comp- what was he? Uh, no. Wake was, up, Josh. Yeah. Football. Footy game on. Well, that one where um, he got beaten on the intercept by someone at a critical stage. But just the whole night he was terrible. No, they're and, in- and they finally had a shot at goal from two metres out. He didn't even try and... Imp- he could have conned a better angle. He he just sort of, before everybody was ready, he thought he'll just take the kick and he kicked it around the corner. Do you see how far it missed by? Yeah. You couldn't do that if you tried. No, and he was... But he wasn't trying, so that's why it happened. It was, yeah, bizarre. No, they're in they're in trouble, 1-3 and, um, you know, all the signs at the moment. I mean, even you last... You did try. Even, hang on, even, even last year when they fell on a heap... There was a period when they it started clicking for them, and you thought they're back in town. It hasn't even looked like it. They had one. Year. They had one guy who tried his guts out and made some, did some good things, but made some of the most humorous mistakes I've ever seen on a football who was field. Riley O'Brien. Oh yeah. At one point, the umpire said to him, "Riley," he was like talking to him like he was a kid. Riley, you can't do that. He was wrapping his arms around. Goldstein yeah. and well, there was a moment when he went back to take a kick, and it was like just executing the kick was like a really kicks, difficult he skill. Kick, he kicks terrible. He throws the ball in the air mm. when he kicks it, and then how about when he got caught holding the ball in the back line? Mm. Yeah, not good. They are in trouble. Maybe North can build on that win. Derby, WA Derby edition forty nine, and once again, I think for an eighth time in a row. West Coast emerged on top by 13 points, 10 goals, 9, 69. To the Dockers, 7, 14, 56. As a spectacle, bit of a damp squib. Terrible game. Unfortunately, Dockers kicked themselves out of it. They really could have won that. They had opportunities. The young boy, was it Schultz or, or somebody had a shot of goal from... 25 metres out. Sure, was Schultz and not Hogan. It wasn't Hogan because he never bloody touched the ball. The only time he touched it was when it fell in his hand by mistake. At least Schultz tried. It was Schultz or Swatowski or... Swatowski. Correct. Some other... Some other. What about Lipinski? I'm telling you, it's Swatowski <laughs> or Schultz. Some sort of flat foot from the US Marines. Flathead or whatever they chop it, whatever they call it. But um, the, this game was bad. But the decision for the Glenn... What's the Glenn Denning 
Alan Middle. Or yep. What's the... yep. Shannon Hearn. Oh, my. Didn't like that. He played. He did not play well. He made some terrible handling errors. He just got the ball 25 times. Look, I understand some idiot giving votes, but Dermot gave him three votes. He yeah. wasn't in the best. Shepard was better than him. Can I just say something here? Why is it that under Ross Lyon, any time Fremantle seems to sort of show a bit of spark and look like, you know, there's a bit of energy and zest about them, it sort of reverts back to... No, no, they they tried. Honestly, they really did. Tabernacle played well. He kicked a couple, but he missed two that he should have got. They need Fife in that team. You see, Fife is the line breaker. I thought that they were more adventurous than West Coast. Did you? Yeah, they kept pushing and trying and trying, but West Coast do have some professional footballers, including probably, I think he's taken the mantle, mantle of Greg Smith as the greatest hypochondriac to ever play the game. <laughs> Here's an observation about West Coast, Fanny. Uh, Petrocelli, boy, he's quick. Yeah, he ran past the ball a few times. <laughs> he did. Um, he kicked a nice goal, but um, but they've got a bloke. He's, he's, the worst, he's the worst hypochondriac. Remember Greg Smith, Mr. Indestructible? Yeah, just for a, Sydney. He's just up. And Collingwood. Um, that Jeremy McGovern, he can't play a game without being off the field, most likely end of the season. McGovern's off. It's very serious this time. It's a serious back element. I don't think we'll see him for a few weeks. The ball kicked forward. McGovern marks it. Oh, well, some he, people need that to he, play against adversity. Brian Lake, Brian Lake had it. Hmm. You know, he, <laughs> sorry, politically incorrect. Um, Brian Lake had it. You know, he'd go off and make miraculous recovery. Some players do that. But McGovern, for a champion, he's strange. Right, so what do we think of the quality of the West Coast win? Oh, workmanlike. Mm. Never in doubt. Mm. When McGovern was off playing nurses and doctors, Barass filled in admirably. I, I reckon the way those derbies, you know, the intensity that surrounds them, and you really can't even appreciate it on the other side of the country, but the fact that they've now won eight in a row, it speaks volumes of yeah, the does. sort of consistent organisation and team that they now have. And you know what? I, I heard the latest premiership betting today, and they're one of three equal favourites. So them, Collingwood, Collingwood and St Kilda, <laughs> well, I'm just trying to remember the third. I, I think it might, have, it might have been GWS, but that to me is crazy. I mean, West Coast at at the moment are, I think, superior to. It anyone. is crazy because Richmond's going to still the best team. Yeah, well, we'll, well see. they've added Lynch and he's <clears throat> bloody good. So in the end, they're going to if they make the eight. I think you know they're just going to if if all their players are there, they're going to be a good team. Except they're not going to have rounds, are they? We know the only time West Coast played Richmond last year, they did dispense of them pretty comfortably That's true. in Perth. Just one other thing about this game. Mm-hmm. And you talk about the huge build-up, etc., and how some, you know, I, I'm, it's a bit like a sort of Anzac Day game, etc. Yeah. And some players, I think, make their name during these games. Mm. Well, I've found a couple of Fremantle players that are going to be, that I think are, are pretty decent footballers. And? They well, are? Well, that Swatowski, he's tough. I mean, his numbers won't be great, but I just saw him and I thought he was a, a really willing competitor. Do you think when he has a poor game, rather than give him a hard week on the track, they make him clean the latrines? No, peel the potatoes. Oh, yeah, of course. And Matthew Tabin is a bloody good footballer. Is he? Oh, yeah. 
Oh, but did you manage to keep that fairly well hidden? Oh, no, for a no, few no, years. no, no. He's such a good mark. He's so yeah, but he's well. He didn't kick, but hey, have a look at Cam McCarthy's game if you want to go. <laughs> All right, that's enough on the derby. I feel uh, two games on Sunday. Let's talk about them. Up at Metricon Stadium, another thriller, and it was Gold Coast emerging victorious by just two points. Eight goals, 11, 59 to Carlton, and got to say, desperately unlucky. Eight, nine, 57. The fourth, the third win from four for Gold Coast. They've lost the other game by a point. Every single Gold Coast game has been decided by less than a kick. They are officially the most thrilling team to watch in the AFL. Damn their oily hide, because... If Carlton won, that would have completed a very good tipping round for me. Yep. And I'm sorry, but I, because St Kilda started playing. That was I, certainly my main takeaway from the game, finding. Well, because St Kilda started playing, I didn't watch how Gold Coast won. I thought Carlton were going to win. Well, the goal came in. Can you explain to me what happened? Well, I was doing the boundary for the St Kilda Hawthorne game, so it was a bit hard, but I was actually watching the final moments on my phone. Uh, well, goal in the last 10 Sexton. seconds to Alex Sexton, the very now very reliable Alex Sexton. But, but in a uh, low game, I thought Carlton had them sort of at arm's length. Well, they did, and they led by uh, 11 points at three-quarter time, and they led by, I think they were still kicking a half up with a few minutes to go. But hats off to the Gold Coast. I mean, there's great spirit in this team, and whatever happens from here on in, and they have, even last year, you know, they won... people are nasty. They say, oh, last year they were 3-2. Yeah, well, they were. What I was going to say was the spirit in this side far exceeds what they had last year. Yeah, last year they had Tom Lynch. They had Stephen May. They had a lot of players that hadn't walked out on the club last year. Yeah, and the same players are standing up weekly for them. Actually, um, Took Miller, he's been good for a while now. David Swallow, very good choice as captain. Sam Collins, been a really good pickup for him. Jared Harbrow, what a, a Trojan he's been for them. But uh, Holman, Fiorini, you know, you're seeing the same names consistently now. And I I sort of feel like with them that's been one of the issues, that, you know, there's sort of half a dozen changes every week. There's never any settled yeah, look yeah. about about there their lineup. Ainsworth came back because he's good. Yeah. He's good. So what, you put the In Your Finies Final Siren column, which you will be writing tonight as soon as you get home and I'm knackered. will be available on Footyology tomorrow early. It was my son's birthday today and I cooked for 18 people. Yeah, well, you know, Pigs at the trough. Talk to me about deadlines, mate. I have seven days a week. Eight, 18 people and I have to cook for them. Okay. So I'm, got sh- Andrews, I'm, sh- I'm sure you did a fine job. But you put the acid on Carlton last week, or their president particularly. Um, What's your response to this? Do we give them any credit or do we say, no, not good enough? Well, they're almost certain to win the wooden spoon now. The, the teams that finished around them last year, that they were going to battle out the bottom of the table with this year, they're often gone to the races. Gold Coast have won three, St Kilda's won yeah. three, Brisbane have won well, three. Well, someone has to finish down there. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's but okay, Sydney. so, so well, I don't know, it'd be a major shock. But if, I'm saying, Carlton and Norton four again. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, they're looking there are wooden some spoon material. I know that there are good signs there, but you're you're asking fans to be very patient. Oh, look, we're a month in. We're just going to write this year off. Next year, we've got plans. Mm. It's a big commitment people make to follow a football team to be over. It's over. A month in, and it's over for Carlton. And when I say over, 
You've got to realise that Gold Coast and Sydney, their fans are now dreaming of sneaking in the eight, and who knows what could happen. At least you can dream. Mm. But Carlton just have not given their fans a chance to dream in seven years, six or seven years. They... they it's or if they do, if, if they do, it tends to be restricted to individual players. And we have another one of them now in Sam Walsh, yeah. who, who is a gun and was their best player again today. So, and I, I think they're the one team, sorry for butting in, but mm. I think they're the one team that should try and lose 120 to 100. They, they're not doing, if they're not winning, they're also not, they're scoring less than last year. Yeah. They, yeah. They even hit triple figures for three years. Yeah, no, if you have to sentence your fans to watch you lose, at least lose entertainingly, vaguely. Uh, no, look, great, uh, but let's not take anything away from the Suns. A lot of people thought they wouldn't win a single game, and they've won three and come very, very close to winning four. So uh, oh. Stewie Dew and the Suns. So kill the thrash them. <laughs> take a bow. <laughs> Final game of the round and another thriller, Finey, at, at Fine, I was about to say Finey Stadium. Yeah. Maybe it is Finey Stadium when St Kilda plays there. I, would, um, I could sponsor it. A, a fantastic win to the Saints. Um, five points over the Hawks. Revenge, finally, for the 71 grand final. 10-14-74, St Kilda defeated Hawthorne. 10-9-69. Now, I'm going to let you do the bulk of this. Uh, I was on the boundary for 3AW today, and I have to say, in fairness to the Hawks, they had an absolute catalogue of injuries. They lost James Frawley early in the piece with a hamstring injury, didn't return. They lost James Cousins with an ankle injury, did come back, but he was clearly hobbled by it. They'd lost Jager... Hang on, hang on. They lost... James's, James' cousin... I'm getting confused. James Frawley's cousin is... Danny Frawley's. That's very funny. Uh, let me get on with it, He's please. Yep. Jager O'Meara was a late withdrawal. Oh, don't give me late withdrawal. Oh, no. He killed out a couple. Isaac, yeah. Isaac Smith uh, hurt his hand. Daniel Howe had a cut head. It just went on and on. And then finally, Ben Stratton concussed. Now, in the end, it looked like they were absolutely ripe for the picking. To their credit, they hung in there and almost managed to still hang on a win. But I, I put it to you, Mark that if you lose your two key defenders in James Frawley and Ben Stratton, you're going to struggle against anyone. Taking nothing away from the Saints, who did lose their own skipper, Jaron Geary, uh, before the start of the game, and of course have their own list of injury woes. First of all, St Kilda's back line was unrecognisable. Really. Callum Wilkie, a rookie. From Port Adelaide, some well South South Adelaide, or I don't even know where he's from. Then you got Ben Patton. I didn't even know what his number was. He'd never played in the back line in his life. The general, twenty six. Uh, Josh Battle, good to see Battle, Battle and Patton together. Mm. Reminds me of Iwo Jima. Mm. He's back there. Nathan Brown, he was falling over. He he just struggled. I thought. Daniel McKenzie was one of their key defenders. He got knocked out during the game, so it's not, it wasn't all plain sailing. Mm. Um, and St Kilda have a style of football that is, I'll tell you what, they've won three games and they're going to they're, they're going to try and win games by kicking 75 points and making it very hard for the opposition to play. Maybe that game against Essendon wasn't all terrible Essendon. 
Now, I reckon the Saints, we interviewed uh, Richo before the good, game good today. Shape, St Kilda. And well, I think they're showing more enterprise and dare than they did last year. They're, they're, they're showing the courage to hang on to the ball, which for St Kilda actually is courage because some of their players can't kick it. But definitely Billings has stepped up. Mm. Billings is living up to the billing, correct? Yep. Gresham into the midfield, been great. Very good player. Loney's improved. Yeah, his kicking's a bit soft. But he's improved. Yeah. He's not just yeah, a little... He, last year, all he did was play for freeze. Yep. Now, you're right. Hawthorne were brave, and the game could have gone either way. It really could have. I thought... You know, the, the one thing I'll say about Hawthorne is this, that they've got great players, Brewston, Gunston. Like, you know that they can win them the game. Do they need to... When they're so down on personnel, do they need to inject them more into the game? Yeah, well, they're going they to... They seem to be just sort of frozen out. They're going to be tested for depth now, aren't they? Now, uh, Burgoyne and, and uh, Shields still out. Amira, um, we don't o- know. Amira, o- we don't know how serious that is. Hopefully, he'll be back next week. But uh, Frawley's going to be several weeks, and he's had hamstring issues previously. Uh, Stratton concussion, who knows whether he comes back or not. But, um, yeah, if people were a bit iffy about the Hawks, I think it was probably on the depth front, and that is certainly going to be tested now. And full credit to St Kilda, because I'm telling you that Carlisle, Roberton, McCartan, Hanabry, Geary, Jack Stephen, Mm. probably read not only their best team, but all in their best ten. And and the new, and the nucleus of a spine yeah. as well. So I, no, I couldn't agree more. They've been great, St Kilda. They've yeah. been terrific this season. And every week, I will remind Alan Richardson: How could you pick Lewis Pierce ahead of Rowan Marshall in round He's one? He's good, Marshall, even if he can't spell oh, his name properly. I hollered for him. Uh, very good. Uh, all right, there is the round done and dusted. Time now to talk about the highs and lows of round four. On footyology, hot. All right, let's get into hot or not. I'm going to kick us off, Finey, and uh, you knew I was going to do this one first. Anthony McDonald, Tip and Wooty. He's played some really good games already, but nothing could hold a candle to that performance on Saturday. Did everything brilliantly. He's a beautiful kick of the footy. I think he's going uh, conversion-wise at well over 70%, which is pretty phenomenal. Uh, in fact, it's better than just about anyone in footy history. The pressure he exerts as a small forward. The really significant thing with him, Finey, is that he's built his tank uh, significantly. Will he spend more time in the midfield as a result? Yeah, he may, but fantastic small forward. One of those goals he kicked him at third quarter, he was so knackered having covered so much territory that he had no energy left to mark the ball, but ended up getting a free and kicked a goal from that anyway. Finished it off beautifully. He's an absolute star and a great barometer for the Bombers. When he plays well, they do. No surprise that when they lost the first two games, he wasn't a factor. A lot of people wanted him dropped. John Walsfold held his nerve on that front and was absolutely vindicated. It was a sensational small forwards game. Seven goals, 20 disposals, five marks inside 53 tackles, five inside 50s. And I salute you, Tipper Waller, uh, I go with Tipper, but Waller is his preferred nickname. You were sensational. Your turn. Why don't you just play the club song and start dancing? And... Get on with it. I know I wasn't allowed to comment. He was brilliant. Okay, I'm going to start with a not hot. And I've 
you know, I, this is rarely done because he played in a team that won their first game. But for all the fans that were screaming at North Melbourne for not picking Paul Ahern in the first three weeks, if you had a look at how he played against Adelaide in a winning team where he had plenty of opportunity to do the right thing, I think that's why they didn't pick him. I had a close look at Paul Ahern and he stunk up the house good and proper. Sorry, Paul. It's so easy, isn't it, to pick a winning team, pick a good player and just go with a hot. But I found a knot in a winning team and you're the knot. That's it? Yep. That was concise for you. Uh, I'm going with a knot and it is Adelaide. And we're... Oh, I wanted to knot them as well. I told you I was doing that. I know, but they made me sick. Uh, Shocking. Uh, Something is not right there, and we said this for the bulk of last year, but like I said before, even last year they had a patch where they were playing some decent football. That just, they haven't looked like it this year. They look slow. Um, the, The guys that were stepping up two years ago and really adding to that sort of midfield on ball depth are just invisible at the moment. And I speak of, you know, Rory Atkins, Riley Knight, uh, Paholke. I don't know about Paholke because he never got even close to a Pahulk on Saturday night. Their for, <laughs> forward setup. He um, was miles off at Miles Paholke. Uh, he kicked for, one goal. F- forward setup, shocking. Um, Taylor Walker's been pretty terrible form all season. Josh Jenkins looks like the Queen Mary, uh, as in ship. Um, Tom Lynch works hard, but it's not happening for him. Eddie Betts had a crack, but you know Eddie's clearly not the Eddie of a few years ago. And I just—I was looking at Rory Sloan come to the bench a few times. I was just thinking, where's your help going to come from? They just look clueless at the moment. They look incapable of getting themselves out of this funk, and it's hard to believe it's the same side that over the course of. You know, 85% of season 2017 was the best side in the competition. I thought they were going to hit back hard this year. I now am really having my doubts whether that's possible. I'm going to, for the first time ever, double up your knot. Okay. My knot hot is Adelaide and the moment that drove the American coach absolutely insane. Well, Pike's born in America. Okay. It was just before half time, and he threw his water bottle and it sprayed, sort of washed the inside of the. So, for people who didn't see it, here's what's funny about it. There's 30 seconds to go, and Adelaide are in front. The ball goes in to the North Melbourne forward line. It's a safe mark to an Adelaide defender, and Daniel Talia stupidly looks at Ben Brown, I think it's Ben Brown, or somebody, and he blocks him and gives away a free kick in the goal square. 25 seconds to go. Don Pike throws his water bottle north at the front. Adelaide conspired to give Ben Brown another shot. It was only an unusual miss from Brown on the siren that didn't make them nine points behind. You've got to watch that last piece of play. They had three or four players just walking off the ground almost. What a lazy pack of gits they are. Skating. Skating. Oh, well, fair, you know. Honestly. All right, my final hot goes to another player out of this game, Sean Higgins. What an absolutely sensational pickup for the Roos he has been. Uh, let's be honest, he was a guy who, when he left the Western Bulldogs, people thought, yeah, you're talented, but you're probably not consistent enough. You seem a little injury-prone. 
Uh, are you the sort of guy we can uh, rely on week in, week out? Well, the Roos have been able to rely on him week in, week out. Seriously gifted footballer, but he's found that consistency. He's been durable. Again, I was on the boundary, copped a really, really nasty whack. They started checking out his jaw, but he just shrugged it off in the end and went on and continued to play great footy. Class act and uh, one of the best midfielders in the competition. And North have had some pretty decent imports from other clubs over the last five years or so, but I reckon uh, he's the pick of them. I'm going to finish with a triple knot. Can I, am I allowed to use the F word once? No. Because umpiring is absolutely effed at the moment. And the problem... Fruity. Oh, and I don't blame the umpires, but I do blame the umpires because it's like there, there are certain decisions, certain rules now, that are... They're undefined. I'm sorry. It's not acceptable that you give away a 50-metre penalty... Because the player picks up on somebody playing on before you, the umpire, does. Now, some umpires concede that. So there was a huge 50-metre penalty in the Richmond-Port Adelaide game. And it's because the player on the mark saw that the guy was playing on and he, he moved accordingly. And the umpire was too too proud to admit you know, because sometimes the umpires go play on afterwards. But sometimes they blow the whistle afterwards and say, I haven't blown the whistle yet. It's just, it's like advantage. Some umpires call advantage because they see advantage. And they're yelling at the player with the ball, advantage! Because they see that he's in the clear. It's not for the umpires to take advantage. It's, it, the, the, the rules are poorly administered. I'm sorry. So, hang on, I thought this was a triple-pronged... Oh, not, not, not. Yeah, I mean, it is not acceptable that these things are not heavily discussed, like the sliding rule. It's a bloody mess. Mm. No, no, I'm, I'm pretty happy with this, and the only reason being that you've gone three knots, so for one of the very few times in my life, I get to look remotely positive. Yeah. Doesn't happen often. Hmm. All right, well, and it won't last... Well, the, well that's that's... That's the positive okay, Well, that I made you look positive. Okay, but it's not going to last long because you know what it's time for now. On Footyology, the rant off. All right, you know how it works. No mucking around. Straight into it tonight. I'm going to count you in, Finey. Three, two, one, rant. If you're old enough to remember the one-hit wonder, The Buggles, you'll remember their song, Video Killed the Radio Star. Well, maybe it's time they release their second hit. The coaches are killing football. 18 control freaks that are so neurotic about having control over every minute of the game from the box and pre-planning for it that we now have a cookie-cutter style of football that is boring everybody titless. I meant shitless. The fact is, I'm pretty sure that an AFL coach actually would rather the ball in the opposition's hands than in dispute. You see, he can plan for that. When the opposition has the ball, then it's our defensive mechanisms put into place. And he sits back smugly as he watches his team fold back 50 metres and create, create the impenetrable, impenetrable wall. Hard to say, but apparently not hard to do. When they attack... 
if they attack. It's slow and careful, methodical and boring. The only time a coach is in fact not in control of the game is when the ball is in dispute. Imagine that. He prefers the opposition to have it than no one to have it. And it was all summed up best today when Hawthorne played St Kilda. And James Sicily, obviously a rebel, sick of the ring around the rosy that both teams were playing to the fans' despair, kicked the ball in the middle of the ground. It bounced awkwardly and Hawthorne ran onto it, down the guts and got a goal. And the commentators observed what? Lucky it was a goal because Clarko would have killed Sicily for that kick. Well, if that's what football has become, that you get killed for being adventurous, then bring out the knives and savage the adventurous and let's proclaim them because the rest are just boring tits. Hear, 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 hear. Uh, Less coaching, more instinct, I say. I agree. Okay. All right. Well, I've got a good one too. You're going to count me in? I'm going to count you three, two, one. I'm pissed off with footy on TV, Finey. It's that saturation point. Games left, right and centre. But have we traded in quality for quantity? You know we've got no fewer than 18 footy shows on the box now. But how many of them are any good? I mean, the front bar has hardly broken the mould, but compared to some of the dross being served up at the moment, it looks like Emmy Award stuff. And now we've dived headfirst into another bottomless black hole of televisual mediocrity. And no, I'm not actually talking about up the guts. I'm talking about cross-promotion. Now, we've long been used to TV networks using their news and current affairs shows to plug their shows. But have we really got to the stage where you can't even watch a wrap-up of the day's football without feeling like the whole thing's a pantomime? Now, we all know the new series of Game of Thrones is about to start. And trust me, I'm as excited about seeing Daenerys and Jon Snow get it on again as anyone. What I don't need, though, is a wrap-up of Essendon's impressive win over Brisbane while simultaneously looking at Dermot Burton's nipples. Yep, Fox Footy's Saturday stretch went completely vaudeville this week in its attempts to pump up Game of Thrones. With host Brad Johnson dressed as Jamie Lannister, Dermy as Drogo, leader of the Dothraki, and poor Sarah Ollie as Daenerys. Now there's some poor casting to begin with. Jamie Lannister, a sullen prick if ever there was one, played by a bloke who'd be smiling when told he had three weeks to live. And what about Derm's role? Drogo was a man who spoke almost exclusively in grunts. Dermy's a man who can somehow make one syllable extend into 28. And kudos to Sarah for keeping a straight face, updating us on injuries, knowing that on Twitter thousands of randy teenage boys were probably yelling, Get your kid off! If this doesn't open Pandora's box, Finey, and yes, that's probably a slightly inappropriate analogy, I don't know what will. Can't you already see some genius at Channel 7 planning to have Bruce McAvaney, BT and Wayne Carey open Friday night's coverage dressed in chef's hats and aprons when it's grand final time on MKR? Maybe the revamped footy show is about to throw a Hail Mary and marry and do a special episode of Married at First Sight betrothing Nerily Meadows to some random AFL player. You know, it's just as well that old favourite on cable news, Naked News, isn't on anymore, Finey, because the day the Sunday footy show wheels out Tony Jones and Billy Brownless completely starkers to read out the latest news is the day I give football away for good. You know, that may be your best ever. Really? Excellent. I was captivated. Can I just tell you something? Yeah. I've never seen a single episode of Game of Thrones. That's a good show. And when you don't watch these shows, adults, people I respect like you, 
that are caught up and know all the names and know the the, the plot movements uh, are very much to me like Star Trek nerds or or Lord of the Rings nebishes. Oh, trust me, I'm not in, I'm not into that genre as a rule. But uh, this is a it is a pretty good show, Game of Thrones, and I, along with everyone else, will be eagerly awaiting that first episode. Is there an episode where Jon Snow? makes somebody in the crowd irate and his captain, <laughs> Illingworth, takes the entire cast off? No, no, I think Terry Jenner was the um, uh, was the uh, leader of another tribe that hasn't been woven into the plot line yet. Okay. On that suitably stupid note, uh, we bid you farewell, hope your team won and uh, keep tuning into Footyology. We appreciate your support. Quick plug for the sponsors again. I love that. I love Andrew's Burgers and so does Australia. 144 Bridport Street, Albert Park and uh, Nick Spartels and Hardwick Build Co. Look, if you've got a property in South Melbourne, you're probably travelling all right, so make improvements with Nick Spartels. Okay, we'll see you on Thursday, and uh, to get you in the mood for the series everyone's been waiting for, here's Game of Thrones again.